All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I am your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have my friend, Lisa Heintzelman, as my lovely guest today. Lisa, thank you so much for coming to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I like to start off all my episodes with why I appreciate my guest, namely because we were just talking about sharing love and being kind to people. I think if we start telling each other why we love each other, why we care about each other, why we value each other, it's probably going to start moving the needle in that whole direction of world peace. I don't know, call me crazy, but that's why I'm doing it. So I mean, we've had a couple conversations already. We've known each other, maybe two conversations. One, I love your, I just love being in your company. You're just so kind. You're so loving. But even when we hopped on the day's call, we're talking about like business. People get so like transactional about stuff. And you're talking about just following up with your clients and being happy to hear about their progress. The way you said it, it's like, so many people are like, oh, I made the sale. I made the transaction. And then they're like, but then whatever, go off and deal with yourself as opposed to, hey, I care about you. And especially in this day and age where it is so easy to do the swipe right, swipe left, sell this, sell that. So how do I say, maybe externally driven. I really value anybody who, especially in a business space, brings more of that relationship, character, integrity, peace to the equation because for the sustainability for somebody to feel truly connected to a business, for somebody to, to, in my estimation, get real results in the direction of wherever they want their thing to go, especially when a business is like part of somebody's like real passion, their heart and their soul, having somebody who's going to take care of that and respect that, I think that's really valuable. Plus, it just makes you an awesome human being. So I just want to let you know that. Thank you for Thank being you. you. All kinds of love. That's yes. what we like to start with. I told you. It's going to be just a big love fest today. And uh, your husband will be like, what, what is going on on this guy's show? I don't know. Naked's, naked this, naked that. Um, Lisa, you know yourself better than I know you. So please share with our audience, who are you? So I'm Lisa Heinzelman with Illuminations Consulting, empowering individuals and organizations to be successful. I came from education in my background and things didn't necessarily work for me the way that I thought or wanted it to throughout that journey from elementary through junior high because I'm old and, uh, and, 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 and senior high. And, it, it's, and, and I wanted to figure some of those things out. So early on, I decided that I wanted to get into education. And I went to school for early childhood education, did some work in childcare, got involved in, uh, in, in education initiatives and quality initiatives that were going on across the state of Pennsylvania. And I had the opportunity to be exploring best practices, learning about best practices, implementing them in my classroom, and then also helping others to do the same and to become professionals and develop that quality experience. And as I was working through there, it was interesting to think about how we're not necessarily listening to and understanding children and then throughout as adults and encouraging people to think and wonder as opposed to, I tell you two plus two is four. So now you should understand that and carry that forward. 
A number of years ago, I sat on a committee with the Department of Education when they were changing the teacher certification guidelines in Pennsylvania. And unfortunately, they talked out of both sides of their mouth, too much about testing, too little about learning. And so I pivoted before pivoting was cool, as in during the pandemic. <laughs> so true. And, and decided to work with the big kids who are those same little kids that I worked with before that are now these big kids who are starting their businesses, becoming leaders in organizations. And so today I'm excited to listen to and understand, which goes back to part of your introduction. My why and my purpose is about why are you doing what you're doing? What gets you up every day? What's your passion? What do you want to accomplish? Why and how do you want to bring value to the individuals, families, businesses, communities, stakeholders that you're engaging with? And then what tools and resources do you need to really make that happen? So I had such great mentors and opportunities and experiences throughout my journey that still continues today to really listen to and understand the where are we, where do we want to be, what do we need to make that happen, how do we represent our learning and sharing our thoughts and then passing that on to others. So I'm excited every day to be investing my time and energy in activities to uh, take people from where they are to where they desire to be. Mm. Sounds like you're still in education, just a different shell. Right. Yeah, I love that. And I think so many people get caught up on the how mm -hmm. and it has to look a certain way, but it can change. And what I really liked is that, you know, you talk about pivoting and it, it, as being somebody who has had to pivot quite a bit and I know quite a few people who've had to that moment where you're talking about like that that was a conference or the 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 board meeting or whatever it was and you're seeing this mm, something's not really lining up we say we want one thing but we're doing another and it's it is the end result actually really coming out of this practice it takes a lot of courage to to pivot on that I guess what, what my curiosity here is, as it sounds like you just really a lifelong educator in some way, shape or form, whatever that role might be. I'm curious what initially attracted you to, I guess, the field of education. Was there, maybe right. you said mentors, but like, was there a moment in your life early on? Like, where did this come from? Yes, and, and I'm not sure if you caught it when I said it earlier that the moment came from when I was a learner and I was in school and I was like, wow, some of this stuff is really hard and I'm not memorizing these things in history that I was supposed to memorize to regurgitate this back and uh, of course, there were some subjects that I was uh, good at uh, related to English and spelling and those kinds of things, but some things didn't come so easy to me. And it wasn't until I was an adult and I and I probably can put this also back to my childhood, but I didn't I didn't I didn't realize it until an adult that when I went to Europe 
and then I saw those columns and I saw that that architecture and I experienced some of that culture that I was like, oh, that's what I was supposed to be getting. But we were doing it in a disconnected way to remember dates and leaders and geography and and why conflicts happened and those kinds of things that it didn't necessarily work for me. And when I experienced it in another way, then it was like, oh my gosh. And what what also what I got to apply that back to my education background, where I utilize what they call the project approach to teach uh, science, health, and social studies with the opportunity for, for me to be implementing the curriculum that was required by a school district and also introducing those topics and finding out what children wanted to learn, what they knew about those topics, what they wanted to learn and how they wanted to do that. And so I was able to facilitate that, not just out of a textbook to say, check out these columns and then let me give you a test so you can say which kind of columns these are. And that they could look at uh, look at social studies from the people and the region and and uh, work work and school and life and play and recreation and culture to then understand things about it and apply them to the why what and how uh, that they're living on a daily basis. So it's so significant, I think, to. Um, to think about what our experiences are and then how that has shaped us and what are, like you said, those turning points to make that happen. And we, we don't necessarily think about the why we're where we are. We do what somebody else tells us to do in that whole life cycle. And one of the things that I think is really important and for us to think about is that it used to be that we lived to work. So we were going through education, we were either going to college or entering a job, and then we were staying there for 30 years, and then we're retiring and continuing to live our life. Now we are working to live and we're creating our reality by why and how do I want to invest my time and energy to live the lifestyle that I want? What do I need to do to sustain that? And unfortunately, some of that has come out to consider our younger generations and millennials kind of got the brunt of this a little bit to say they're lazy or they're unproductive or they uh, want instant gratification gratification or, 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 you know, they're unprofessional. And it's really not true. They ended up being cooler than us, shall I say, just because, and I, I, I was one of them before you characterized them like that. <laughs> and, 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 and it's interesting because I always thought we should be doing that anyway. I always thought we should be working virtually when we could, and now it's a, a it's a reality, but I want to catch back to that 
are we living to work or are we working to live? And, and the dichotomy of it that doesn't have to be necessarily a dichotomy. And today, think about the opportunities that we're taking advantage of so that we're living our reality. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad or a negative that we've sort of placed on that in generations as we go through and as we have multiple generations and a lot of diversity that's happening in the workplace and through Mm. there's a lot there let's let's see if we can unpack some of those pieces yeah. bit by bit i knew you could <laughs> that's why <laughs> i'm like ooh, let's say just a couple of things so there's a couple of different layers here now obviously you know i have very strong opinions about the educational system uh we had that conversation last time my wife being a teacher we have this debate all the time and i loved when we had our first conversation when i told you like so i have this idea of building my own school one day and doing it with my wife. And of course, she's she's like, we're not going to do that. We're going to kill each other because it's my thing and I have my way and all that. But what I really liked uh, about what you're describing is, okay, I went and experienced the columns, like this beautiful architecture, this, you, you were in the space, shall we say. And there was this pun intended illuminating experience that illuminated the idea of like well where does this all come from why did this come about what inspired somebody to create something like this what are the other contextual pieces that from that time in history from that like what was society like why would they even bother doing something like that what were they what did they care about and what I guess I'm bringing it back to is that for you, and, and, and I, I guess that's kind of where we're leaning towards maybe in the discussion is seeking to use experiential things to teach from, as opposed to here's a, memorize a bunch of information, regurgitate, back, regurgitate it back to me, and then go do the thing. It sounds like using that illuminating experience can be far more profound from a learner's perspective. Um, and I'm curious, I guess, when did that shift or when did that come about? And I, I'd like to get your perspective on that because I'm not I'm not 100% clear when that, maybe that realization happened or what inspired the other way around? Like what inspired the original model in the first place? So I think that history in education, uh, there, there was a whole lot more of conformity around, let's create this curriculum of the information that we think all students need to have to be successful as adults and in the workplace. And now when we think about it, it's a lot of years and there's a lot of information out there for us to know. And there began to be a shift of, let's make sure that we're providing the opportunity for children and adults to know why, where, and how to go for the information tools and resources that we need. We don't necessarily 
need to know it, uh, know everything about everything. And we, you know, we miss it if we really like trivia and that we want to win some trivia games, then you got to know that stuff. <laughs> and, you know, now you play it as a team. So people are bringing, you know, those answers all about and you can still have fun with that. And certainly when the internet came around, then we could be looking up things. And, you know, again, generation wise, we say, well, you can't do anything without a calculator and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, and how do we, how do we consider that not necessarily being, how, there's, is there a reason to quantify that as being good, bad, or indifferent yeah. uh, in, in that if we can get to a similar result? And I think that we've learned now that we can get to somewhere in a, in a different result. And that was part of what I learned when I decided I wanted to study up these things on education to find out why it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And, and part of that, why it didn't work for me was because they all wanted us to do it the same way. And I was still in that wondering and questioning and was always encouraged by that with that from my parents, mm. uh, you know, to, to think and wonder and question, uh, which is different than always just listening to one person or whatever authority telling you this is the way to think, learn, or understand. And not that, not that there isn't a reason to be respectful, but then think about how that translates to collaboration within organizations and being teams in organizations. We're told to sit, be quiet, do our work by ourselves. And then we're supposed to play in the sandbox mm. with the individuals that we, that we work in and we're collaborate and bring our strengths to the table in a way. And, and it's a whole different kind of thing than what experiences we brought yeah. <laughs> to the table. Well, yeah, just from that alone, even just put, putting, I've never heard somebody say it that way. I, I don't know why I ever never considered it. Sit and be quiet in your corner and do your own work. Now go deal with everybody else. But you didn't necessarily teach the the interpersonal skill of learning how to ask questions that you're talking about. And I think it's really cool that your parents uh, encouraged the curiosity because I know so many people don't like they almost uh, there's a lot of parents who just offload parenting to the teacher. Like it's your kid. It's your, <laughs> like, do you want them to be able to think for themselves and again, that curiosity piece that I love that, again, the, the most important thing about connecting with people is how do we communicate? Mm -hmm. How do we build a relationship? And then without knowing how to do that, you're never going to find it out if somebody has a bigger, a better strength in a certain area, or you're not even going to identify that you have a strength in a certain area, unless you just show up for the test. And like I got a hundred, like, great. You got a hundred on what mm -hmm. did that matter in building a business or whatever? And the other thing I love there is that you brought it forward to, well, yeah, okay, you might not see it as a big problem early on, but everybody's going to join the workforce in one way, shape, or form, whether you're the owner of the business or you're a, 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 an employee. Mm -hmm. You're still expected to learn how to just deal with, we'll call it office politics, how to play nice in the sandbox, the way you said. You're going to have to diff use that. But 
perhaps we're, we're, we've all we've done, we, as I'm saying, society as a grand scale have only left like the majority of people at like maybe a first grade level of empathy and understanding and communication skills to interconnect and bridge those gaps. Again, I'm painting, I'm painting in very broad strokes here, but right. that's what I heard in that. I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. Um, the other thing I was curious about was the take on the millennial, because I guess I think I'm considered a geriatric millennial. I'm 35 right now. I think some, somebody told me I'm kind of in that age bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be wrong. I might be square in the middle of it, but most millennials are considered lazy, <laughs> don't want to do anything, whatever. Um, but I love that you flipped it and said like, maybe that's not the case. And what I keep hearing out there, and I'd love to get your take on this is that I guess we'll call it my generation and, and, and beyond is looking for something deeper to bind to, not just, I think that's where you're bringing out that like right. work to live versus live to work, that paradigm shift or wherever that's going right now is, you know, this needs to fill the cup on many things. Like I'm not just going to punch a clock for whatever, 30, 40 years, and then I'm going to retire, collect my pension, and then ride off into the sunset. Like that's not, not a lot of people are not waiting for that feeling of happiness anymore. It's like, well, why can't I be happy now? Why can't I find fulfillment now? I'm curious to see, because you had said that you were on one side of that fence and then it shifted. Where, where did that shift take place for you too? Uh, I think I was, I think I was probably in that mindset already prior to that becoming more of the norm. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to be uh, going to school and and I went to school part-time and I was raising children at the same time that I was going to school, working and raising my two daughters. And I wanted to be available for my daughters as they were growing up. And so I tried to craft what my uh, roles were in education. And I didn't want to be taking care of other people's children more on a 27, 24-7 kind of way than I was than I was my own children. I wanted to be available to them. And I did work in both childcare and in public school. And so you have some different restrictions in public school about hours and time and those kind of things. And teachers who are in public school for 30 years have the hours of work uh, that they do and that they're required to do by contract. My uh, oldest daughter was uh, moving from junior high to high school and she was playing field hockey. And I knew the next year that then when she was gonna be playing field hockey, she was gonna have these games after school. So I made arrangements with my uh, teacher beside me and said, could you, after we do the first dismissal, could you, could you get, let, have the rest of my kids through dismissal? And, um, she said, she said, sure. So I went to my principal and not only said what my problem was, but brought the solution to the table. And while she was, as we're talking progressive and forward thinking, she said, I would do it in a minute. She said, but the union won't go for it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, then I'm going to have to make a decision about whether I come back next year, because this is really important to me. 
And I resigned my position from that role. And I and and didn't go back the next year. And just on a quick side note, I was the teacher of the year for the state of Pennsylvania based upon the value that I was bringing to and with uh, children and their families mm-hmm. uh, through through the work that I was doing. And it's interesting to me how we have these rules and what we do. But this all goes back to why and purpose. We need to continue to to embrace our why, live our purpose. And, you know, I know that your headline on your LinkedIn profile is what is your purpose? Too many times we don't ask somebody, what's your why? What's your purpose? What does success mean to you? And we go with what's on our shoulders or what somebody has told us. And so we're not really living it. And we're not living it because somebody didn't necessarily ask us that question. And it's interesting to me, I start that off in all of my success processes, working with my clients as that business sales and leadership coach of, tell me about your why and your purpose and what does success mean to you? because that's the framework for everything else. And that drives our vision, your, your why, your big picture, what it is that you want to become, your core values that drive your decision-making. It was in my core values that I was going to be available for my children for activities, and that wasn't going to work for me. And so I needed, I, it was easy for me to make that transition. I didn't know what I was going to do that next fall, but I was gonna figure it out from the summer on and and create what that reality was going to be. It was easy to make that decision. And think about how many decisions are really difficult for us to make. If you start with your why and your purpose and your core values, it's easy to make decisions. It's easy to pivot and then be forward thinking about, so what's next and how do I make this happen? And you can do that with still a level of responsibility about how are you going to continue to be productive and sustain what uh, responsibilities and lifestyle you are living. Hence the work to live and make that happen. And so when you, when you start with your why and your vision and your core values, that helps you to identify your competitive edge. What problems do you solve? What value do you bring? Why do business and or engage with you? And then your mission, which is the everyday what and how to make it happen. So why and how are you investing your time and energy in the activities to achieve the results that you desire. And as I work with my clients, I help them to develop each of those four areas. And that becomes what I call your strategic business framework that lays the groundwork for why and how are you investing your time and drives your branding, marketing, and sales process. And one of the problems is, is that we create our business or 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 our tasks or our purpose uh, around 
a business card, a website and doing some kind of marketing. And we miss developing that strategy because that was never part of the framework. It was never part of what's my why and what do I already know and what resources and tools that I do I have to really make those things happen. And so today, I'm excited to work with those service-based, relationship-based entrepreneurs and business owners who are great at their craft and their specialty, the productivity of it all, that they're solving problems and they're bringing value to those individuals, families, businesses, communities, stakeholders that they're working with, and then can 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 utilize their why, their vision, their core values, their competitive edge, and their mission to really make things happen. And it's sad that this goes back to some of that transactional conversation that we were having uh, a little bit earlier that we lead with our why, we lead with our purpose, we lead with the problems that we solve, and then we get interrupted turning that into a transaction of some kind rather than staying transactional um, and rather than staying consultative, which is what that's all about. So if I'm leading with that purpose, I'm consultative in my practice that I'm really interested in why you're doing what you're doing so that I can take you to the next level as opposed to selling you a a program or a process or a course, which are all those kinds of things that we're putting out there. Mm. My, my one favorite phrase about that is that we really, as consumers, are buying and wanting the results and outcomes rather than the product and the service. <clears throat> so we don't necessarily go to the store just to buy a shovel what do we really want? The whole. So I'm not just buying the shovel to have that in my shed. I'm buying it because I need that result of that hole or whatever it is that that, that gets me. And we're not making a good connection to the value of our products and services related to the problems we solve and value that we bring that then let us as consumers choose to buy and engage in those. Mm. One of the things that was important in, in all of that to me is that, especially when somebody hires a coach or whatever, they're going off in this, I'm trying to become a better business owner because I need to make money, which obviously very quickly brushes over everything you just said because there was no um, substantiative purpose there the the why piece that you're discussing there but we but remember i said <clears throat> we need to be productive and sustainable oh for sure for so, sure so so the word profitability isn't a bad word because if we're not sustainable and not profitable then we can't keep solving problems and bringing value absolutely i think where i was going with it is more So, uh, so I think the important thing was like, you were not a business owner at that time from a title, uh, an external titular position, right? right. I'm a teacher, right? That's, that's the role or the, the <clears throat> category. 
but you were operating from a framework that thinks very much like it. What are the things that I as a human being value? And what I find really important in the things you're bringing to the table here, a lot of people float like, what's your why and all this and that, like your vision, your mission, all, the, and they're awesome. But I think so many people are rushing to just slap a why statement on their thing or this, mm-hmm. that, and the other because they were told to do so. And I think the pursuit in any way, shape or form is awesome. You're going to have to sometimes try a few things out because in the beginning, how do you know? You don't because you're learning and you're growing and you're going to go through some experiential things and you might pivot. Again, we're bringing that one up again. Yep. What I found important about that thing, that, that decision you made to leave that position was that it it was easier for you to do that because you were very clear on what you cared about the most, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's between the money or that. But I think what a lot of people would not necessarily take into account there as we're talking about this paradigm of profitability, because you do need to still live. You need mm-hmm. to have the ability, whether you're a business or just like food in your belly, you got to still exist. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you spent a lot of time well before that considering what's the most important thing. And, and not enough people are willing to take the amount of time to really sit with the feelings of what do I really care about? What do I value? What are my core values? And my wife and I spent, for her at least, the majority of the pandemic, the beginning at least, for her, just working on hers. Lo and behold, of course, she came out very similar to mine because we I knew that was going to go that direction. We <laughs> share the same values. That's right. why we're together, part of it. Right. Um, considering how long I took and how long she took with hers, I know our subsequent decisions became much clearer. So I want to just bring to light, like, as much as you knew right then and there, a lot of people are like, oh, you just knew. I'm like, no, you probably took a lot of time to consider right. my family, the people in my life. What, how do I need to execute these things so that I can still preserve this? And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, hey, because you had figured those things out, also the other things or how you were just living your lifestyle in general also afforded you the ability when a pivotal moment, mm-hmm. an inflection point arrived in your life, it was easier because you could also see here's the other things I do need to do and I can do and I've set myself up for because of X, Y, and Z decisions I made. I don't even know how many years before that. Right. But that's planning and preparation. That's doing the nitty gritty, not like you're not going to see it on a PNL sheet right away. It's not coming tomorrow. I decided my why yesterday, like now we're going to make millions of dollars nope like now the other stuff you're talking about oh we're going to put some some strategy into place you, there's a thousand ways to market the business cards and flyers and facebook ads and da, 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 da. there's a million ways but understanding if that's contextual to how you show up and how the people you wish to connect with show up understanding those things if you take the time in the beginning you won't waste a bunch of money time and energy on just blowing money out the door in a lot of different avenues. And I'm using money just as an example. Sure. 
down these avenues that are not actually in alignment with what you care about. That's not going to attract the energy you want into your life. The, the, and I would even go so far as to say like the sustainable revenue that will come from that. The clients are going to be like, I get you. I understand you. I love what you're bringing to the table. I want to go on this journey with you. And I'm not just here for a fly by night, one night stand kind of business transaction. I'm here to build a relationship both with you and something else. All of this long rant I'm taking myself on right here and everybody who's decided to still listen to me as I went on it. <laughs> what I really hear in that, for anybody who's listening, who's not a business owner, maybe treating themselves as one might be a really powerful way to look like I own my life. What I hear in there is, by endeavoring to become a better person, you also give yourself the capacity to become a better business owner and making that leap, which I think is really profound. So I, one, I just wanted to commend you on that. I think that's a really cool story because so many people, when they're confronted by that, they, hadn't, they haven't prepared the, we'll call it the existential ecosystem to house a decision like that, to be able to take that new journey, to be able to take that new step for growth. So I think that's really cool. I was just in the side. That was a big thing that really stuck out to me, like this notion of I'm going to put these things first when you were tested and challenged to do that. Sure. So that was really, really cool. Thank you. And, and, you know, you, you, you brought up a good point about how you have been on your journey with this and then continued your journey with your wife. Uh, when we talk strategy and we put that out there and why and, and life purpose, we kind of go ugh around that. And we particularly do it ugh when we talk about business strategy because it's just like, why can't I just jump in there and, and be doing it? And what's interesting about it is it is not an easy subject or an easy activity to do yourself. It's the same kind of thing that the cobbler does not have great shoes. It's the same kind of thing that the website developer doesn't have a great website, but they make everybody else's fantastic. It's the great, it's the same thing as a remodeler who is freshening up and, and, and making great environments throughout everybody's house and then still leave some of those projects open at their own. And the thing about strategy is, is that because it hasn't been a natural uh, kind of experience that we've grown up with to think about, write down, say out loud, any of the verb action things that you can do related to that, it hasn't been a natural kind of thing. Yet those words and those purpose and, and those ideas all are within us, mm -hmm. in our head, heart, and soul. They're on the bottoms of our feet. They are on post-it notes, they're in journals, and they're out there in the air and across the internet. Mm -hmm. And what we haven't done is really put them all together. And when I mentioned earlier about competitive edge, mm -hmm. one of my competitive edge is that I can pull those words out of your head, heart, and soul. Mm -hmm. 
by asking the right questions and providing the opportunity for you to brainstorm. And the problem is, is that we hurry up and try to write down our why, our vision, our core values, our competitive edge and our mission as an activity that we did in school that I'm finishing my first, my, I'm doing my final composition before I did my brainstorming before I did my outline, before I did my draft, before I did my editing, that finally comes to that final composition. Mm -hmm. And it relates right back to what we what we learned and that we didn't remember all those pieces because we were just like, just just get it done. Just cram for the test. <laughs> and and so today, I love pulling those words out of people's head, heart, and souls. And any time that they say to me, wow, you are good. I say right away, I'm, a, I'm good at pulling it out of your head, heart, and soul. These are your power words and phrases that you own and that you get to utilize across your conversations relationships and I guess I let me back up uh, from your mindset to your conversations to your relationships to your networking to your marketing to your sales to why and how you're investing your time to being a leader through communication and your team to develop peak performers and then becoming also a leader and a thought leader in your industry, it gets all related. And if you just invest the time, energy and resources into developing that strategy, just that little one pager that I said, you have that content to repurpose across your life and beyond to utilize that to plan, develop and grow personally, professionally, through your business and organizationally. Sorry, my dog's starting to look at me with a side eye right there. Um, one of the things you were saying there, I was like, the, pra the, the brainstorming piece, just trying to get through it. Mm -hmm. I'll share my side of how I've thought of it. It's like, we always ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow older? And they'll say, you know, fireman and you know, astronaut, da, 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 da. And we ask them, oh, cool. That's awesome, Johnny, whatever. Like, when the hell do we ask them again? Right. We just don't. Like that, we find it admirable that they're going to say, I want to shoot for this cool thing, whatever it is. I want to go to the moon. Like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's great. And then as time goes on, we stop nurturing that curiosity that like, wow, that's what you want. Well, why? What do you, what, what's inspiring that Johnny or Sue or whomever? I guess it, like, is it a crazy idea to say like people are just scared now because they haven't had any practice in answering the question? Maybe it's that, I don't know. Like, I think that we've just it comes back to my feelings and, and obviously we echo similar thoughts on like these educational systems. Like this is what you're supposed to know mm -hmm. as opposed to what matters to you, where are we going and how mm -hmm. do I support you on that journey? 
we haven't had practice answering the question of what do you care about? Mm-hmm. Where are you going with your life? What inspired that? How do you see that playing out? Like, they're not complicated questions. Right. The answer might be, <laughs> the answer might be really deep and intertwined and all these things. And if you've only been asked once and perhaps even shamed because especially if you're only reminiscence of, of, of going, like I hated doing homework. I didn't like to do it at all. And I just didn't like to study. And I really didn't like to brainstorm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't like to do and, a rough and, draft. And my thing about homework was, was that if you already taught that to me, wasn't I supposed to know it? Why do I got to go practice it? <laughs> and are you, and, and in real life, do I have to do homework from work? And, and you know, why, why do we have to go do that yeah sorry i no nothing to apologize for i think that's really important just like these are curiosities as people i don't think it really like it's accepted as the status quo i know my wife is not a big fan of homework in general it's like well studies are showing the homework is i'm going to go on a limb and say the homework that's being assigned by and large is really not reinforced being is not really reinforcing something that's going to matter substantively later on Mm-hmm. So no wonder it didn't change anything as opposed to nurturing some curiosity. Like I have a couple of friends, they homeschool and my best friend, he got his home, both homeschooled both his kids and his kids, like his eldest son is a voracious reader, super curious. He doesn't have to beg him. Like he wants to do math on his thing. He's like, Oh, I did this thing. He's like excelling because I mean, obviously we both understand coaching concepts we understand work then his wife is also a speech pathologist so like understands all these things yes leg up but in no small part do i think it's at the approach of questioning and asking the things over and over like what are you curious about how do i feed that curiosity in a way that's meaningful and then when i saw how you did that in your own life of just questioning something like why couldn't i just ask a friend over there to just be able to handle take like pick up my kids or whatever was from the bus or something like that or watch them I, I can't remember exactly how you said it but you had to go to a principal to just like bring a third party and then they had to bring in another party i.e the teachers union to make a very simple conversation between you and what playing nice in the sandbox hey you're my friend you do mind doing me a solid for like these five minutes or however long it was like you're adults you can figure it out why do we need all this extra bureaucracy in, in the middle? Mm-hmm. And what I thought was really cool is like, you just started asking your questions like, well, how could I have a day that I really enjoy and then, and get the result? I think that's, are you seeing that a lot with educators? And I, I actually, I'm also curious, are you seeing that a lot with business owners that you're working with? Because I know when I pivoted from having the brick and mortar, a lot of it was like, well, this is how it's supposed to be done. And this is the way I've always done it. I'm a curious guy. So like, I'm willing to open my mind pretty quickly to a lot of things. There was a hell of a lot of guilt and shame that I had to like, just sit with like being, feeling guilty for two hours or three hours of my morning, being like, I don't have anything to do. And like, I'm just allowed to sit by myself and deal with this. Mm-hmm. I felt massively guilty. And then I realized like, that's kind of what I need to be good at what I do. Right. Huh. Like, are you seeing... I don't, I don't want to be like the one crazy dude in the echo chamber of like, this is just how I think about it. Like, are you seeing similar stuff? Well, <laughs> I think it's interesting from one of the things that you just said about 
um, only asking at certain uh, uh, ages or milestones about what you want to be when you grow up. I just asked that question this <laughs> week to somebody who I was speaking to that I'm pretty sure was between 50 and 60-ish and or whatever. And the thing that I think is so powerful about that is that there are there are so many people that are launching businesses from both the younger entrepreneurial spirit coming out and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do this um, from a creative, innovative business aspect. Mm -hmm. And the individuals that already did the live to work aspect that they have either retired or transitioned uh, earlier because they could. And now they're being what they want to be when they grow up and getting to figure that out. And that's another piece that I celebrate in asking that question. And when they start, when you start off, especially as a solopreneur, who's doing everything within your business, as you continue to grow, you get to even take that from first the now I'm really pursuing my passion and doing what I want to do when I grow up. Then when you have that opportunity to grow within that, then within your life and business yourself, you get to take that to the next level of really, really now, what do I want to do when I grow up? As far as what do you outsource? What do you have a virtual assistant do? How do you leave your ego at the door and surround yourself with the very best people, smarter, brighter, different than you are, who would do different tasks and operations and uh, interactions uh, through and with uh, your business to really make things happen so that you can have an impact with even more individuals, families, businesses, community stakeholders that you're engaging with. Mm. And you're going to the next level of why and how do I want to, what, what, why and how, what do I want to do and be when I grow up, which means that you can certainly continue to be the visionary. You can certainly get your hands dirty where you want to, and also get rid of the stuff that you don't like or that are not within your strengths. And earlier you mentioned about strengths and we really need to celebrate our strengths and think about our areas for growth, consider ideas to develop and get this one, break habits that are no longer efficient, effective and productive. And that's a big deal when you think about the why and how you're investing your time to do that in each of those different aspects of your life and your business related to habits and tasks and goals and activities. And, and, and as we do that, that helps to take us to the next level. And the one thing, one of the things we're not doing 
is really maximizing our potential. We're going to whatever level of opportunity and experience that we have. And sometimes before we've talked about that from, from think outside the box. And sometimes that goes to a positive or a negative connotation about, you know, now you're going to upset the apple cart and you're bringing all these ideas and whatever. One of the other ways to think about it is think bigger box mm. of what are you going to let inside for yourself to maximize your potential? What, what, what are you going to think bigger box that takes you to uh, a different level of tolerance for you and confidence and, and that whole other zone of proximity that you can let in and grow to a level that has that continual growth. And when we really start thinking about maximizing individual team and organizational potential, just think where we could be as individuals, as uh, communities, and, and has, has a society overall. The first place my mind went when you talked about that bigger box, as in letting new things, especially as what I think is hard of breaking old habits, I think about replacing it, like, because breaking it is like, don't think about pink elephants, don't think about pink elephants, don't think, like, all you think about is pink elephants, right? But what I loved when you shifted to that bigger box, which I, th let me co cover two layers to it. Think outside the box becomes, well, like, now we have this vast entity and people are already scared of uncertainty in general bigger box says, okay, what's the new container that you think you can handle? What's the next step where you think you can let something new in? So I really, really liked that because the box in the first place isn't a mat, like the thought of out of your imagination. Now, I've talked about the inside the box, outside the box stuff all the time, as in the reference to like uh, the matrix, mm -hmm. goes, there is no spoon. Well, there is no box. You made it up. Like you used a strategy and built a, a theoretical container to house your process for the time being with what you had, but clearly at this point in somebody's life, if they're feeling this friction, they filled that box. Their only way to grow is to go into an, the overflow space, but that's uncertain to like, but there's just too much space. So the bigger box, I like that slightly bigger container. What are we gonna let in? And where that led to for me, especially as you're talking about efficiencies and outsourcing, which I loved because I was just on a call with right before this, with a, a she's a, a executive assistant VA, and she basically called. We were joking, like she's like the professional work wife. It's like you're just outsourcing all this clerical stuff for an entrepreneurial brain. I know how I am. A lot of like mean to me menial details just slip through the cracks. I'm like this is not a big problem to me right now. I think there's a guilt around outsourcing, but what I see that outsourcing and what you're bringing to the table here in terms of. Um, utilizing uh, maybe tools of collaboration, hiring somebody, bringing in a VA. I even just take it to a place of, what about just bringing in self-care? What if you needed more meditation time? What if you needed more alone time to go for a walk? What if you needed more time with your kids? Because it fills your cup. 
like you said, like you needed more time with your family, with your girls, and you because that was the time you were going to get at that juncture. That was really important. I find, and I'd be curious to see if you have seen differently, but I'm going to go on a limb and say we're probably similar. By having that that initial cup filled, like I got the most important thing taken care of. When you go back to doing maybe the new challenging things, the place where you're going to spend more time in the unknown, you're, you show up a little more whole, a little more present, a little more calm, a little more, you're not just pulling from nothingness already. You're, you have something to pull from. And I love that analogy of like, what's the bigger box? What are we going to let into this space? Maybe it's, it's not about doing more stuff. It's about doing the less things better and giving yourself permission perhaps to take care of yourself in new ways. That's the way I look at a lot of that stuff. But mm -hmm. um, there were so many ways you brought that into the equation. Like, what do you really like? I think that's really cool too. I think it's hysterical <laughs> that people don't like, where you're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You said there are 50s, 60s? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got to, I got to ask you, what, what, how do they react to that? Uh, well, uh, they, well, they chuckle and I, I, I use that line all the time mm. and, and they kind, they kind of chuckle and, and I might, and I think that, and I, and it, and I, and I'm at usually at different parts of relationships that I know somebody well enough or not that, you know, goes with the chuckle and then is the chuckle that we do that out loud because that's what we should do. And then upon reflection for them is, is do, we, do we go back to those areas of um, Eric Erickson, one of our psychologists and the life cycle kinds of things of, are we thinking about generativity at that, at that sequence of time that we celebrate what we've done through life or do we go to despair that we think about and we regret or wonder or wish we did? And, it, and, and so I think that there's those opportunities to be celebrating what we're doing. One of the things that you brought up uh, and made me think about is around that efficiency and effectiveness is that we, 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 we should and, and, and we want to work smart, efficient, effective, and productive to achieve results personally, professionally, business, uh, organizationally. And then we need to make sure we celebrate often because as entrepreneurs, uh, we quickly jump onto the next things. And that when we go back to that part about celebrating strengths and celebrating successes, we figure out what we should be doing more of and then, and then how we might be improving some of those processes at the same time. And, and it's, it, 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 it creates that opportunity to make sure that we're really investing our time the way that we could and should. Earlier, when I mentioned about this information age that we're in, and now as we've moved into some of that whole aspect of uh, technology, is that there's so much information that's out there, and we engage and we have opportunities for so much professional development and coaching and courses and programs and all of that. And so we follow those bright, shiny objects 
get engaged with them, especially when we're in that spirit of lifelong learning and or the part about thinking we should follow the next best thing of those shiny bright objects of what should we be doing for our marketing or how should we be taking care of ourselves in our health. And we stack those things up. And, and if we implement everything that we learn, we're going to have way too many things to do. And so how are we sorting through all of that knowledge and opportunity that's out there to integrate them in our practices? So we need to explore those best practices and then integrate them into our day and our tasks and our priorities and activities so that we're doing the right thing. And the right thing comes from your purpose, your vision, your core values, your mission, your competitive edge mm. into those priorities so that we're working smart, efficient, effective, and productive to achieve those results and then celebrate often. Mm. What came to mind there when I just heard, especially one context, which bleeds into where I'm going with this, like smart versus hard, working smarter versus hard, how you contextually integrated information, some of the information you're going to leave out because it's not all appropriate for everything you said, purpose, process, all the other things are going in there. From my experiences as and through different conversations, I think, especially when I, perhaps it's more of like a lot of generational stuff, but it's also like early on from like people who slap the high performer label on themselves. Mm -hmm. When your, your value, your, your sense of self, your sense of accomplishment is attached to, I'm a hard worker, I'm a high performer. That especially as we're shifting towards now a conversation of I'm a smart, working smart versus hard. I've seen so many people really struggle with that. Being mm -hmm. like, if I was not grinding my face off 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, and it's not to say you don't, you have, you must do consistent work. That's, I want to make sure anybody who's listening right now to my you know, reflection on what you're bringing to the table there is, no, you got to show up consistently. That's part of the gig. You want to run a business or be successful. I think it's got to happen. But how you show up, with what energy you show up, and ultimately understanding yourself enough to know this is the best thing long-term. This is going to allow me to show up consistently. I'm smart enough to know that if I keep doing this, it will yield an exponential growth at some point. It's a, I'm hedging my bets. Of course, most people want the, I want the shiny thing now. Yeah. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be patient. It's supposed to be this way. I keep finding that that's such a hard, challenging is a better word, challenging mindset shift for so many people. I'm dealing with, with my right, wife right now. I heard my mom say like, she's such a hard worker about my wife. And don't get me wrong, my wife is phenomenal. So I'm not discrediting that. She's phenomenal what she does. But I keep seeing her and I see a lot of her colleagues run themselves into a wall. Mm -hmm. they, they overextend themselves. They don't know how to say no to stuff. They don't know how to build boundaries and margins into their life so that they can receive 
there's going to be chaos. There's going to be unknowns that are going to smack you in the face. You don't know. You don't know if a pandemic's coming. You don't know if you're going to get sick. You don't know if the house is going to burn down. I don't know. I'm using extremes, but like there's other smaller nuances. You don't know if a family member is going to die and you have to go to a wake or funeral, whatever the thing is. I heard a, fr- a friend and client of mine say from one of her um, mentors in her life, when there was a shift, when she became a, um, um, like a manager, more of a leadership role, the shift was from going from um, being a doer to a see-to-er. And for whatever reason, that really clicked for me for somebody understanding. And she said how hard it was for her to realize, like, it's not about you doing the actual job. It's making sure that the job is done, whether it's, yeah, you got to make sure the clients get responded to. What's the best way? Mm-hmm. Are you the best person to be doing that based off your skill set, the things you love to do? And I'm using just broad spectrum stuff. Again, I thought, that, I think that's smart versus hard. Again, the way you said this, this is coming back to, if you didn't get square on your, 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 your why and your purpose and all those things, uh, when that comes up, you don't really know how to base it off of all, you know, is your old stuff. I'm supposed to work hard. It means I, you know what? I already worked a 12 hour day time to make it a 14 hour day because that's what working hard is. That's mm-hmm. how I'm, that's how I find my worth in this world. The only way to continue to validate that is to do more work, but not being grounded in that, in that deeper understanding of oneself, because you didn't take that time initially to sit with whatever that is. Um, I just wanted to bring that to like, cause that, that's like, that came screaming at me as soon as you said, it, like, oh man, so many people, especially if they're pivoting in their life to like a second career where they were working for somebody and they were told when to show up and how to show up and all those other things to, I still want to work, but, uh, how's this going to like, all I know is that way mm-hmm. there might be a better way. And I think a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot and say, I don't even try to go start my next career or my passion project or whatever, because they think it has to look exactly the way their workday has to look exactly the way it did beforehand. It doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You'd think somebody who has gotten to retirement age from a first career has more resources, should financially be able to pivot a little better. Hopefully, I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you'd think, I guess it goes to show like the money's, it's not a money problem. It's mm-hmm. a up top it's a mindset problem so yes i'd love to get your take on that i I know i just kind of again i take a thought for a ride in a few different directions and i also don't sometimes know where i'm gonna end up but are you seeing anything like that yes so i think it's really interesting and and you know we we celebrate the work hard the the be a professional the get things done one of the things that I think is interesting, and I've said this a few times, about, uh, is, the, is the choosing about why and how we are investing our time. And when we invest our time, we're looking for a return in that. When we spend our time, it's used up and, it, and it's exhausted. And so we can be proactive about why and how we're investing our time. And when we have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur, a business owner, 
setting and any any opportunities to be flexible and setting our time, uh, which is a lot of what individuals are looking for now. You have to make decisions based upon your strategy, based upon those roles and expectations, what that productivity looks like and that accountability. And uh, along with asking those questions about what do you want to be when you grow up, I often ask a question about why and how are you investing your time and energy? And I think it's really interesting when people say, "Uh, what, what 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 do you mean by that? And I was like, there's no right or wrong answer. It's a question I love to ask. And it's interesting to me and, and, and sometimes sad for how much of that is supposed to be some kind of right answer or something that doesn't roll off of somebody's tongue in a way. Uh, and, and, and also that part about doing what it is that I think I should be doing. Uh, based upon what somebody else says or what other expectations were. And, and, and I, it's so powerful once we think about our why and our purpose and our vision and our core values and our competitive edge and our mission that drives the why and how we invest our time and energy and resources and, and that is one of my favorite things to do with my clients to really be thinking about that. I do not plan meetings on Fridays and I do that in purpose on, on purpose uh, to do next steps that I need to do to take care of other working on my business different from working in my business. I also do that to keep the flexibility that I want to have to be available for other life activities that I want to do as well. And I protect those days and I protect other times on my calendar. And right now, if you go to my calendar, Calendly account, there aren't times available open until May. And it's interesting to me because people are put off about that because I meet people through networking opportunities. I schedule a lot of one-on-ones and I share my calendar to be available. And it, it cracks me up when people write back and say, you're not available till May. And and the other, in, the other thing about that is, is the flip side, if I go to your calendar and you're available every next 15 minutes of the day by how you set that up, well, how does that show about why and how you're choosing to invest your time and energy? And while people's businesses are different about why and how they invest their time, for instance, if you call a painter that that is available tomorrow, you might be really excited that that painter is available tomorrow because most times when we call a painter, we really wanted that done three weeks ago. So then we're very excited. We don't make the correlation that if that painter is available tomorrow, how great is that painter? Because they should be booked up for the next month with painting because that's how good they are 
And, and so I think it's a really interesting kind of thing about, about our time and how we choose to protect that and, and being meaningful and purposeful about the, the parts about time that connect to, then how, how does that relate to working smart at the same time? And I, I got up this morning and I generally start my day around seven o'clock and I was excited to talk to you and I got up at five and I got some things done uh, that, that I, they, they were like free hours to me. And so I had two hours of time to invest in the way that I wanted to, that took things off my plate of what would have been on my calendar for tomorrow, Friday, mm-hmm. on my day of that working on my business. And I, and I always know what I can do. And while I'm disappointed when people don't show up for meetings, that are those same people you meet through networking events, that want to meet with you whenever they do. And then there are similar people who don't, they're the same people sometimes who just don't show up. Oh, I didn't, that didn't make it to my calendar. I'm like, oh my goodness, how are you running a business? (laughs) And how are you making things happen? And you're also somebody who is wanting to develop a relationship with me to refer you to somebody else. And if you can't show up to me, how are you going to show up for those referrals that I send you, if that's part of the expectation as we continue to develop a relationship. And we should always have, we should always know why and what and how of something that we would do when we get the gift of a free five minutes or two hours or whatever it is that it may be. And please know and remember and embrace that doing nothing is totally acceptable. You can do whatever you want to do with your time. And in an especial sense of because it goes back to your purpose. So doing nothing or playing on the internet, or whatever those things are, are all okay. Nobody gets to decide those things. It's you that gets to decide that, and nobody gets to tell you the why, what, where, and how. As a coach, and as an accountability partner, if there's something specific that you've decided that are priorities, and an easy example is uh, when somebody has in their in their prospecting that they're going to make ten phone calls per uh, day, which gives you fifty per week, then you put those ten phone calls in your calendar as that activity to do. And if on Monday, you don't do those 10 calls because you're living your flexible entrepreneurial business life, if 10 phone calls are important, what do you do? You transfer those 10 phone calls to Tuesday and you do 20 on Tuesday to get those done or you separate them out on those other four days of the week so that you get those done. And that's working smart. 
that you're investing your time and energy in those priorities, or as I call them, income producing activities, those IPAs that we choose to prioritize to be working in and on our business as we go. And that's when you can make an impact and then give yourself credit for working smart and working hard that leads to making things happen and having the impact in the world that you want to. Mm. I hope that one of the big things that came out of that reflection you had there was for anybody listening is the, is thinking long-term about what one decision is. And to me, the, you brought it up about this, looking at somebody's calendar when you have access to their, when like the, the, the most people don't think like, oh, they're available tomorrow. Right. They, they might not have, they might not be doing all right. They might, they, there might be a reason why they're so available to you. I think I equate that often to uh, the doctor's office. Call up, hey, I need my wellness or yearly checkup, whatever thing is. They go, cool, I got something six months from now. And you go, what? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. People don't think like, oh, that also puts the urgency of they must be good. They're full up. I better get on the schedule now. Mm-hmm. And what you also thought about there, which I think is also important for anybody who is showing up for stuff. Are you showing up consistently? Are you showing mm-hmm. up on time? Are you missing? And if you are doing that consistently, it's not to say you're a bad person. It's to say, are you going to become aware of it? Or are you going to adjust that? Because that is sending a sign and symbol to the recipient of that. You just, if you don't show up for a meeting because you're not, setting up your life in a way that allows you to consistently show up when you said you were going to show up when you booked on somebody else's calendar. That's going to, that's a, now not everybody's going to react the same way, but mm-hmm. I think both of us would agree that somebody who's been in the game for long enough eventually goes mm, red flag. And it's not going to be the final decision about somebody, but red flag, it's mm-hmm. on my mind. It's going to be a new obstacle that you as a business owner or whomever is going to have to now overcome in that person's mind. If you, you use the, 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 the instance of a referral, if you're wanting that person to refer business to you, you're asking that question, is this person going to show up for the person that I put my vote of confidence in? And I said, I'm extending myself, my trust, the trust I've built with you with the relationship where I showed up consistently. I'm going to convey that and hand this off to the next person. I don't think enough people think about that, mm-hmm. that this is a, this is how I show up in the world in general. If you're not consistent on that, people have no idea that you, if you've built up a consistent reputation of like, I always show up on time and you miss something you're probably, and I know I am. It's like, I hope they're all right. Like maybe a car accident happened. I hope they're okay. But if you've built enough trust, you have this, like this relational capital to pull from. Mm-hmm. again i bring this and i think you always do as well as you have what's your why how are you showing up in the world what's the values what's the structures what are these other things you're going to put in your in in place in your life to know yourself enough to say this is how i'm going to show up best maybe i don't take calls on monday and do 10 calls i do only do 20 on tuesday and maybe i do 30 on thursday because i know i'm going to show up and do it consistently hmm. i still got the number i needed cool yeah. I thought that was just a really beautiful reflection on that night. I, 
I wanted to bring all that out there so that people can understand how something, something seemingly is, dare I say, innocuous as showing two, up two minutes late to a meeting to somebody might mean nothing, but to somebody who like truly values their time, two minutes late, be like, I got other things to do. Like mm -hmm. I set this time aside for you. You want to make an ask of me? Sorry. Like you're going to have to work harder now. Mm -hmm. People don't consider that over and over again. So I really love that perspective there. And I love how it keeps coming back to what you keep talking about. You got to go sit with the bigger questions. It's uncomfortable and it ain't going to happen overnight. So yeah, that, that, that I loved that, that train of thought you brought there, but um, Lisa, I've just been loving our conversation. Like, thank you so much for like just sharing your information, your wisdom. And there's already somebody I like have in mind that I want to connect you with. Um, for our listeners out there, like what, any like parting advice you have for anybody? I encourage you to pursue your passion and, and choose to invest your time and energy and activities to achieve the results that you desire. And as you are thinking about that, Surround yourself with those mentors and coaches and opportunities to, to brainstorm and learn about, about what opportunities you have uh, and, and, and talk, talk with people and, and engage. And in, in one of my overall uh, phrases that I use is choose to participate. Mm. And be mindful about what that is. And so I encourage an opportunity if you'd like to continue the conversation, if you'd like to do that with me, I have an engage and love one-on-one -on -one conversations and learning about why people are doing what they're doing. I appreciate being here with you today, Caleb, and, uh, and having our uh, conversations continue as well. I love it. I love it. And if somebody's listening and they're like, you know what? I need to have somebody help me illuminate my why. And I, I like what she's saying. I like what Lisa's all about here. What would be the best way for somebody to get in contact with you, to connect with you? Sure. So uh, I'm Lisa Heinzelman with Illuminations Consulting and has that business sales and leadership coach. I'm available um, at my website, www.illuminationsconsulting.com. And my telephone number is 717-571-4644. My email address is lisa at illuminationsconsulting.com. I am very active on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Alignable. So I encourage any of you to connect with me on uh, those ways as well. I do uh, share a monthly newsletter called Best Practice Strategies for Success, where I share out uh, tips and best practices related to a lot of the topics that we shared today. So you can subscribe to that newsletter, which is on my website. And I also uh, just launched a quarterly website called, uh, I'm sorry, newsletter that's called Quarterly Quest for Success. And it's a, it's a powerful website about our business seasons. 
And so the March issue just came out to be thinking about uh, what are we doing during spring and how are we continuing the momentum from our resolutions in the beginning of January to make things happen. So it comes out in March and June to stay engaged over the summertime. And then in September to stay engaged over the uh, holidays. And then in December to think about how we're wrapping up 2022 and then getting ready to kick off 2023, where then it'll come around to uh, March as well. So uh, I have those resources and tools available to you as well. And like I said, I welcome the opportunity to chat with you and optimize your success. Love it. Well, guys, we're going to put all that stuff in the show notes. So make sure you go check that out. Lisa, again, thank you so much. I'm just grateful for you sharing your time, your wisdom, your, your thoughts on all of this stuff. I've, I've loved every one of our conversations thus far, and I'm looking forward to continuing to grow our friendship into the future. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, this is, I just love talking to people and it's, you bring, you've already brought more joy to my day. I was already having a great day and you made it even better. So thank you for that. Again, everybody that's listening, Show notes, we'll have all of Lisa's contact information to get in touch with her so you can bring your vision to light in the way that is authentic to you. But aside from that, until next time, my friends, I encourage you, as always, to love everybody.